Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ralph Ranick said Jekyll and Hyde and I think we can all agree on that as Manchester United fans after an excellent first half performance against Southampton yields only the one goal and a 1-1 draw at home and a pretty rubbish performance at home to Brighton yields a 2-0 comfortable win in the end. So things are certainly strange, topsy-turvy at United at the moment. Some positive spring roots of potential success for sure but also some serious questions over the energy and intensity to our performances as outlined by opposition manager Ralph Hassan and Hootel after the 1-1 draw on Saturday. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Well, we'll be talking about all of that. What these two performances put together show us at the big picture. This is Series 7, Episode 24, with me, Harry Robinson, and Jack Tate, as always. And Jack, Rannick is right, and we're coming into a trend, aren't we, where he's always saying kind of what we agree with, what we can all see. It's just how long it takes to fix it. But certainly some good signs this week. And in the end, four points isn't enough. We really should have won both of those games. Yeah, absolutely. I started the last episode by saying that the Middlesbrough and Burnley games were not very good signs for the short term, but maybe good good signs for the long term. And Southampton was a bit of a repeat of that. And then Brighton was the complete opposite. In the short term, it was good. Long term, maybe not so good because the first half performance was pretty bad or very bad, in fact. But, you know, you can't come away with it with a win. It was a much improved performance in the second half, even before the sending off and the little snippet that we saw. It seemed like we had made a pretty sizable change at half time. And we've mentioned in the previous weeks that, you know, as much as you can say that Ranić's methods are sort of working in that our underlying performances do seem to be improving, it is also up to him to stop us from crumbling in, and in the second half as we did against Villa and then Middlesbrough and then Burnley and then Southampton. So by the same token, you have to give him some credit for sort of turning the game around. Obviously the sending off for, for Brighton sort of changed that game and the Southampton game was a bit of a continuation of what we'd seen in the two games prior. But I think with every game you're seeing, I think that there are still a lot of weaknesses to this United team. And I still don't think we're quite clear on exactly which type of team we want to be. Yeah. I think the Brighton game was a perfect example of that, especially the first half. But you're also seeing, you know, some repeated 
promise, I think, from especially from some individual players. We'll come on to uh, some of them, in particular Sancho, I think has been the standout in the last few weeks. But you are starting to see some shoots of, of recovery and of improvement. It's just about putting them together in one performance, which we haven't done yet. Yeah, I think we know what kind of team Rannick would like to create. And it would be more similar to the one that we saw in the first half in his very first game against Crystal Palace back in early December. We've outlined this many times where you kind of pin the opposition into the, into the touchline and go for that kind of swarm pressing style. I think the way that some of the players speak about what he wants to do, but also he says, well, we, we can't be a, we can't just suddenly convert into a high pressing team in the middle of the season. And he's absolutely right. I think it's clear if he was to stay as manager, he would try and make us into that team over summer. But for now, yeah, he's kind of having to compromise on exactly what he wants. The players are having to to adapt to that still. Um, and the other truth at the moment is that basically whether we win a game or not is is down to us keeping a clean sheet. Again, against Brighton, there were missed chances. Um, a good probably two or three probably expect us to score two goals in the end, given that the goal we did score was a, the, the first goal we did score was a, just a, a piece of individual uh, brilliance from Ronaldo. Uh, the, the way we looked at these games was we need to win two of, we need to win both of them and get six points. We didn't do that. And the other thing is you wanted to see those long-term positives that we saw, uh, signs of positives that we saw against Burnley and Middlesbrough translate into like a really comfortable, impressive uh, statement to take a football cliche victory and we didn't see that actually so while I'm coming out of these still kind of positive about our chances going forward for the rest of the season and about Rannick's management actually in these last two games we have failed to deliver yeah I think it's it's about trying to make this team I think understand a little bit more about how we can improve week to week and you know making sure that we can actually put these games away then one when, when Rannick first came in one thing that I think was a little difficult actually as as United fans and you know a lot of us hadn't hadn't seen a lot of Ranić is that it was very obvious to us what Ranić wanted to do defensively you know he wanted to be this high pressing team he wanted to be aggressive he wanted to put the opposition under pressure win the ball back high up the pitch you know that was very very obvious from everything that he'd said in the past few years but there was a lot less detail I think on exactly what he would want to make us into in an attacking force and I think we're we're still kind of figuring that out and to your point Harry that we should have probably scored two goals in the end based on the chances that we had and you know have had in the last few games as well. I think we're still to some degree too reliant on individuals doing great things. And even both of the goals that we did score against Brighton were the first goal obviously came from some, some very good pressing, but ultimately was Ronaldo with a brilliant run and finish. And then the quick thinking of Pogba and a great dummy from Fernandez to to make it happen. It we're still not really scoring goals, I don't think and creating chances from sort of really good structured patterns of play, which is what we want to eventually see. So I think there, there's a, there's still a lot of work to do. And I think especially in attack, this team is still very much a work in progress. And you would have liked to have, to, to have seen us use what has been a, a relatively easy run of fixtures to get that statement win, like you're saying, you know, put away a team three, four, five nil. We obviously have scored three at, at Brentford. But other than that, we haven't really seen us I don't think take a take a step forward in a huge sense as an attacking team, even if defensively we, we have improved quite a lot. I d- we're not seeing, I guess, I don't know whether we're seeing specific patterns of attacking play, but I do, I, I, I disagree that we're kind of relying on individual quality. I think the way that we're breaking through teams' defence and, and dragging people from left to right Yes, it's it's relied on Sancho being in very good form, but that's also the system around him kind of facilitating that. 
I think strangely the goals we're scoring aren't necessarily what well, aren't the easy ones and the ones we're missing. If you think we've we've had like probably created four or five almost kind of open goals or one on ones that we've missed, we've had I can remember probably six or seven really good headed opportunities from crosses in the last few weeks, and that's down to quality, yes, but that's perfectly fine. It's it's individual brilliance that kind of should be happening. Good crosses and what should follow is good headers, but at the moment they, they haven't been that good. I think what Runnick's trying to do is is get those attacks where there's kind of multiple waves to it, where we're quite patient around the box. I think we saw that at Burnley in the first half was probably the best example of it, where you saw wingers coming back inside if they didn't think they could really create a high quality chance rather than shooting. I thought that was really nice. And that sustained pressure was was great. And then I think you want, when we're counter-attacking, I think he wants that double wave where the three or four forwards go forward at speed and then the midfielders follow it in. How much we're seeing that depends uh, from from game to game at the moment. But there's, yeah, I think we, we know more about what this attack is certainly than we did at the end of December when it really wasn't clear. Yeah, we're, we're definitely learning more. And I, I think there, ha- there has been improvement. It's just, I, I just don't see us, I don't, I don't see us with necessarily a, an identity that's, clear at the moment I guess is what I'm yeah. maybe what more more to the point that I was trying to make than still reliant on, on individual quality because there is an aspect to it where every goal is reliant on some some quality yeah. at some point it's more that you want to see you want to see the system sort of facilitating that quality to be able to be shown and I guess that actually to sort of contradict what I just said the first goal actually is probably a perfect example of that because ultimately the finish yes is reliant on you know some brilliance from from Ronaldo but putting him in that position is facilitated by us being a better team defensively, but defensively to, to you know set up uh, attacking situations for us. So I think we do still need to see more, but the signs are better. I think one thing that I have noticed in particular that I, I think has been clear in the last few weeks, despite the not great results, has just been that we seem to be moving the ball a lot quicker. And that, that wasn't the case against Brighton in yeah, the first that half. Was a that problem. has sort of, sort of been the anomaly, but... I noticed it in, in particular against Southampton and against uh, Burnley. You know, we we just we were moving the ball. We talked about it after the Burnley game, Harry. I think that we're we're, we're getting a lot better at missing people out when we're switching play, as one example of it. And I think that has been a really common theme in our good performances under Ranić. Is that we have been moving the ball a lot quicker through midfield. There's a lot less of the taking, you know, two, three, four touches to get the ball under control. It has been sort of one touch, get the ball out. Uh, out to the other side of the pitch, and we have we have been better at doing that. You know, there's still Brian more was to come. And poor I think, in that regard, though. Uh, yeah, it was, and and I mean, a lot of that was down to you know Fred had a really bad game. Which yeah, was you know really hampering us. I think we really, I think it showed how crucial two players are to that kind of football. First of all, Varane, who was obviously meant to start the game and and was ill. Yeah, he takes fewer touches before passing. He also, as as you're saying, he misses out kind of the, the links in the chain and speeds up play. And Pogba is obviously the same. Two players who, Varane's not kind of some incredible ball-playing defender. I think that, that it would be wrong to say that, but he just does, he simply just misses out one member of the back four while he's passing. And that has a huge impact on, on the tempo. I thought that was what was so disappointing against Brighton is, I mean, the first half was completely lifeless from us. Was really cut at the the reception at half time was some people were booing, which I'll never agree with, but it was kind of just this feeling of on a night where other teams, obviously we are in the Champions League, but on a night where other teams were playing in the Champions League, this kind of 
uh, star or show of Real Madrid PSGs going on and we were watching kind of United Brighton where United is doing absolutely nothing in the ring. Meanwhile City are 4-0 up in half an hour. Yeah, at half time it just felt like this this was a whole kind of, a feeling of just complete irrelevance to the game. We just thought no one one cares about this, not even the players on the pitch. There was nothing there. and yeah, it was it was to do with the. It tempo. was such an odd. It was such an odd performance in the first half. Like not only not only the execution of it, but even the way that we set up mm. as well. You know, Brighton are a team that like to have the ball up, have get the ball down and play. They like to move it quickly from from the back, and it it just didn't really make sense what we were doing. I, you know, the it, it seemed like our game plan was okay. We're going to allow them to have the ball at the back because effectively their their defenders are the least threatening people in the in the team, and we're going to sit back. We're going to stay compact. And as soon as the ball comes into midfield, then we're going to be on them. But we managed to to both not be aggressive, but also not be compact in defence at all. You know, it was sort of back to some of the old ways that we've talked about a lot with sort of one person pressing in a very unstructured way and not bringing other teammates with them or other teammates not going with them as they maybe should do. There were so many times where Brighton were just playing through us with so much ease. And, you know, the outcome of the game is going to change a lot of how we feel and I think to something that you've said so many times in the podcast, Harry, is fine margins and that, you know, if Moda's cross slash shot goes a few inches well, yeah, uh, exactly. lower, if Welbeck buries the header, you know, we'd probably be be talking very differently. But I, I don't think the fact that we won, we won this game should take away from quite how bad that first half performance was because especially at Old Trafford, I, I can't remember us getting dominated by a, a team especially a team outside sort of the top six but even the second half long, was, long was poor uh, I mean yeah, we still we, we were man up we we never I wouldn't say we ever had control there was, of the game there was a three point. or four minute spell where there was after we'd scored where there was this great kind of resilient atmosphere and the players were kind of geeing it all up and then obviously the red card helped with that as well and then the tempo dropped again and as you say the uh, we've Brighton hit the crossbar, Welbeck misses his header. It was a poor performance. And if you take the two games, Southampton, brilliant, brilliant 45 minutes. Um, really good. And, and again, yeah, should have been four and five and up, uh, as, as we've said before, uh, for, for other games. But then you add the Brighton game to that and how many minutes of good football over the course of two games at home against teams outside the top eight? Probably... 75 at most it's not it's not great and and that's what's strange is I'm coming away from these games actually feeling oddly positive I think because the signs are there that something good could happen but actually those two games were the Brighton performance was bad yeah. we've, we've got away with one there there was relief coming out of that game more so than than joy to be honest it was pure yeah. relief that we got away with one yeah and oddly I've I mean I was in a bet. I'm in a better mood now than I was the day after Southampton. But actually, standing in the pub after the game on both occasions, after Southampton, I was weirdly positive because the first half had been so good. Even though I was, I, it's kind of one of those where you're making yourself feel more positive to cope with the the frustration of a draw. <laughs> and after the Brighton game, I was delighted with the the second goal, and it, it was brilliant to win. But I was kind of just standing there and, and chatting with mates, thinking. We, yeah, we were very good there. That's, satis- that's that's a feeling of relief, but certainly not satisfaction, I don't think, because it wasn't. It just wasn't a good performance. I think getting the second goal right at the end as well made that, it, it helped, helped a lot in the way that we feel about yeah. that performance. Because it's one thing to sort of come away with 
what feels like a, a little bit lucky, you know, you sort of escaped to the one nil win, especially because, you know, I don't think we saw the game out particularly well. You know, Brighton were completely dominating the ball, had a few free kicks in dangerous areas that, you know, we did manage to defend quite well, but it's not like we saw that game out comfortably. And I think if it would have been very easy for, for Pogba to kind of stand on the ball there, just say, right, let's see the game out. Because the game was over by the time yeah. he won that free kick. And yet, you know, actually getting the second goal really, I think, bolstered the mood that we all had coming out of it. But if you actually go back and watch the game, I don't think there was any period in the game against Brighton really where we looked anything, anything close yeah. to good enough. Like you said, maybe other than, maybe other than the five minutes right after half time, Because despite the fact that obviously both the goal and the red card came from Brighton giving the ball away, you know, we, we were much improved to start the second half. The the annoyance is that we then didn't kill the game off and control the game even once Brighton went down yeah. to 10 men. What's, what's strange as well is that it comes to the 97th minute and we've got two or three players bursting forward and kind of really energetic. And yet for much of the first half, much of the second half, we'd have goal kicks and or throw-ins or free kicks and people were just ambling about the place. There was no urgency to, to anything in our play. Yeah. And and even tracking back wasn't great either. How many times did from goal kicks did, did De Gea pass to Lindelof and Maguire, who have obviously been instructed to stay very deep, try and receive the ball from De Gea and build from, from the back, and then just immediately have to pass back to De Gea for him to go long? Yeah. There were no options from midfield. I, I, I don't know the cause of that. It, it felt like there was some kind of rehearsed goal kick routine, and yet it just never, not only did it not come off, it just never seemed to be executed with any kind of real desire to, to yeah. make it work um, so I mean that's the negatives of the Brighton game the positives Ronaldo's best performance for a few weeks not only yeah. did he score a great goal and and I think his his lack of celebration uh, showed his relief <laughs> at that after his longest goal drought in a, a long time 2009 uh, but yeah created a couple of chances as well as that well felt as like a bit just a bit of a side note that that felt like a very old school Ronaldo United oh, goal yeah. as well I, I, that was, it's not the kind of goal he scores very many of anymore but that yeah. was that was straight from 2008 it was, yeah it was that 2008 thing where Ronaldo would have the ball outside the box and and just score and, and it's when you yeah. watch him back from that time it's it is that mad thing where wherever he is outside the box he finds the bottom corner just yeah, it, was, it also just it reminded me as well that when when he first became sort of one of the best players in the world at United, what was so new about him was this sort of short backlift that he had in his in all of his um, shots, and he and he repeated it beautifully for that goal in the way that the the amount of time the ball almost looks like he's stuck under his feet actually when he shoots for this goal because the amount of time between his final touch and his shot is so small. You know, most players need a few steps to to sort of get into a position after their last touch to be able to shoot. But for him, it's like almost instant from touch to shot. And that's what made him so unique when he first came onto the scene. And a lot, it's now been something that a lot of players yeah. have in their locker, Rashford being one of them. Um, but, you know, just seeing that again, it was it yeah. was very nostalgic. Jaden Sunday. Uh, well, Paul Popper first, actually. Changed the game. I loved the quick free kick at the end, as I said. And yeah, just showed his quality when he came on. Lost the ball uh, once in a dangerous position, as always, uh, which we can come to expect. But yeah, did did I think change the whole tempo of the game for United, at least for a bit. And but he he did his job when he came on basically, uh, and seemed very happy after the win as well, which was good to see. And a, a, a lovely moment where fan was delighted to get his shirt, which I'm, I'm not asked with the "Can I get your shirt?" signed, but it was a nice moment anyway. Uh, and Jaden Sancho, yeah, brilliant again. He's 
United's best player of, of the last five weeks, without a doubt. In fact, even it's actually only probably the last three and a half weeks or so um, since he came back after a tiny bit of time off. And yeah, it's just so exciting and such a valuable piece to our attack. Yeah, he's been a consistent bright spot, even in the most annoying of, of performances. And even against Brighton, he every time he got the ball, he was sort of the one player that you felt could could produce something for us, even in the first half. I mean, the, the relationship he's starting to build with Shaw looks very, very good. And despite how bad Fred was for a lot of the game, actually the relationship between him and Sancho is also starting to to become a real force for us in attack. The number of times when Fred and Sancho have played together recently, the Sancho has played Fred in. And so those sort of underlapping runs inside has been great to watch. Sancho just looks a class above really anyone else, I think, when he gets the ball. The, the combination of control he has over the ball and everything that he's doing combined with the skill and the speed with which he's doing it is is really really it's just fun to watch he's a fun player yeah and that that really is sort of my biggest takeaway when I watch him in that it's a bit of a cliche that there are some players when they pick up the ball that when there's like a buzz around the stadium and they sort of make people watching just feel like they're going to make something happen and Sancho very very much falls into that category he's great to watch and you know I I can only hope that he sort of carries on with this form and sort of goes on from here. We said, you know, and we mentioned this on the last episode back when he first joined, that it might take him a while. I think it took him probably a little bit longer than even we hoped. And we maybe didn't see quite as many signs we wanted, but there was enough, I think, for for eagle-eyed viewers, there was always enough in Sancho's performances at the start of the season to, to show you that this was in him, that this was what he was capable of and it's just it's great to see him showing it now and he's doing it consistently to be perfectly honest yeah final thing on Brighton uh, worth mentioning De Gea's save from the header from Modair yeah. just yeah amazing save yeah amazing. great save really really good save the, the other thing I, I, I wanted to quickly touch on about the Brighton game is that just what Ranić said after the game about what they decided to do at half time he mentioned that the sort of discussion at half time was whether to change formation or to stick with a 4-2-3-1 and sort of change how we approached it. And in the end, he's decided to stick with the 4-2-3-1. And he said that the tactical change we made was to make the wingers push inside more when Brighton have the ball. So push inside onto the, the two wide centre-backs and then have the full-backs push up onto their wing-backs. And and it, I've just uh, been re-watching the, the lead-up to the goal and Ilanga's, uh when he robs Dunk and we get the red card for Brighton. Both of them come from situations where that helped in the right in the build up to the to the goal you have I think it might be uh, Dunk with the ball again he plays it into Basuma and even though it's McTominay and Fernandez that win the ball back it's actually Ronaldo Elanga and Sancho cutting off all of the options to the other centre backs that stop them from being able to play out and then you have Darlow pushed up on Kukurea as well on the far side and those little tactical changes are I think you know obviously we don't know everything that was happening under under Solskjaer in the dressing room and Ranić seems a lot more willing to talk publicly about tactical decisions than most managers are. But it's it's just it's been really nice, I think, to to see how Ranić is able to change things tactically in games. I don't think his substitutions have been particularly good, but some of the tweaks that he's done have, have really worked. And it was it was noticeable to me uh, watching it back how that switch really did sort of change the game in the in the second half. Because the the Elanga red card situation comes from that as well, from Elanga pushing inside onto Dunk rather than yeah. trying to stop the pass to the, the wing back. And he's only able to do that because Darlow has been told to push up onto Kukurea and the same with Shaw on the other side. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. We've mentioned Southampton. It was a great first half. 
it was a really bad second half and Hassan Utel's quotes were embarrassing for the team and kind of, and they were true. Finding that good second half performance, we didn't, I mean, Brighton, we obviously scored two goals, but that isn't what we wanted that performance. We have to be able to perform for more than 45 minutes. And I mean, Randick says he'll, him and Sasha Lenz, the psychologist he brought in, are, are looking at ways to make sure we do that. But ultimately it's down to what he said, which is the players need to stick to the game plan, regardless of whether we're 1-0 up or we're drawing 1-1. And I think we said it last week, they just have have belief in that. I think I, I took it back to the, the old Alex Ferguson thing of you don't worry until added time. You don't have to just believe in yourself. Probably 90% of games that we play in, we are the better team and we have the better players. They just have to, they have to find that belief in themselves and, and belief in the game plan and, and stick to it. But that, well, that's why it's a shame that we haven't had that statement victory because I think if we did find it, then that belief would return, but also the belief in what Rannick's doing from the players, which would help massively. And we've seen so many times over the past few years that this is a, a, a group of players that seem to be pretty heavily reliant on confidence. You know, they, this isn't a group that is particularly yeah. great at, at necessarily sort of bouncing back from bad, from bad games. It is, we have been quite streaky. We are both individually and as, as a unit, I think we are a, a, a team that is very, very tired to confidence. And especially, you know, the, the talk when Ranyet came in is that the timing hopefully might be quite useful because we have, you know, a run of relatively easy fixtures coming up. We haven't quite made use of those. Like you said, we haven't had that sort of statement four or five nil win. We've had some good halves, but we've never been able to put it fully together. I would love to to hear, obviously this isn't going to happen now, but I would love to hear from players that have played under interim managers about what that feels like. Because just on a human level, you can imagine players being sort of hesitant to sort of fully buy in and fully become immersed and yeah, I guess buy-in is, is the best phrase, just fully buy into what an interim manager is trying to get them to do because you know that in a few months they're not going to be there. And, you know, it's, it's kind of easy, I think, to say, well, they're professionals, you know, they're getting paid X amount a week. They have to sort of do what the manager says. But it must be, it must be strange knowing that this is going to come to an end. And I think that's why having some good early results is probably so important because, I can imagine it becoming a scenario if you do start to really believe in the manager, you think, well, I'm going to have to give everything I can to make sure this manager, you know, has the most successful few months possible. So I've only got that time with them. But if it doesn't start quite how you want it to, I can also imagine it going the other way where it just becomes difficult to, to really, to really put all of yourself into something, you know, is going to come to an end in a few months. Let's say, I know that's not, not something we're ever going to really find out about. But it's, it must just be quite an interesting yeah. an interesting point. You know, it's almost like having a boss at work you know is going to retire in a few months. And it's like, just like, how does that change how, yeah. you start, how you approach your work and your interactions with them, you know? Sitting duck. Yeah, exactly. Not quite. It's not quite like a, a sitting duck because you still have to earn your place in a team, but it's... Yeah, may, maybe it doesn't change the the positive outcome, but it maybe lessens the, the long-term consequences if you don't do what's asked of you or if you know, it goes yeah. wrong. And I guess maybe that that's that's how it can play. Yeah, we'll talk a bit about VAR and uh, refereeing in the Patreon Q&A. Uh, big picture, just before we go on to quit you for and wounds roundup and then looking ahead to Leeds. Top four, your gut instinct, are we getting it? Yes or no? It's so tough, yes. Yeah, my gut instinct's yes, even though shouldn't at that moment. So it just into... To get the table's a bit hard to read at the moment because it's 
so many games in hand, etc. United are fourth above West Ham, uh, two points above and played the same games. But he, probably better is, is working out projections based on points per game, of which United are predicted to finish fifth, two points behind Arsenal, uh, three points above West Ham and Tottenham and four points above Wolves, which is interesting. So I think Tottenham were clear favourites a, a few games ago, but they've messed up their games in hand. And that is what we're seeing time and time again. All these teams are, are messing up. Yeah. And we've somehow got through a period where we have messed up time and time again and, and yet still are possibly now, uh, possibly favourites for, for that fourth spot because we have a better team than Arsenal. Yeah, I was, I was going to say my 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 uh, reserved confidence is is actually less about United and more about the, the teams around us that we're facing because I just have even less faith in them yeah. than I have in ourselves to consistently produce results. Yeah. And this could be one of the kind of lowest points for a fourth place in a long time if everyone keeps messing up like this. No one is capitalising. It just needs a, a good run from a team. But we have incredibly hard fixtures coming up. So we will see see how that goes. Should we go to Youth Alone and Women's quickly and then talk about Leeds away? So the FA Youth Cup, United are into the quarterfinal where we'll host Leicester City on Thursday, the 24th of February at Old Trafford. Supporters are encouraged to attend that game. Uh, the, that comes after a fifth round, comfortable fifth round win against Everton, who are a pretty decent team in the same league as United at, at under 18 level, uh, but a 4-1 win against them. Everton went ahead through Francis Okoronkwo, who keeps going against United in, in the league and the cup. But United responded very quickly. Charlie McNeil penalty, then a header from Kobe Minor, uh, then Sam Mather scored, and then an amazing Gareth Bayless goal that you've probably seen doing the rounds on social media from Alejandro Garnacho, a young Spanish winger we signed from Atletico Madrid a couple of years ago, who's having a consistently very good season, uh, showing that rare attribute for young players, which is consistency. Him and McNeil combine very well. Cobby Miners and Sam Mother also doing excellently. Sam Mother probably in the shadow a little bit of McNeil and Garnacho, but actually his numbers for this season are ridiculous and his performance would be very good. That under-19s team have been drawn against Borussia Dortmund in the UEFA Youth League round of 16. Uh, that's at home at Lee Sports Village. That'll be played on March the 1st or 2nd, if anyone's interested in going to that. Again, supporters encouraged to attend that one. And then if we beat Dortmund, we'll play one of Atleti or Real Madrid. So... Uh, a pretty tough draw for for both of those. Well, Dortmund, should, it should just be a really exciting game and it's a great opportunity for those young players to really test themselves against people they don't normally come up against. In low news, James Garner, Dylan Levitt both scored last midweek. They're doing very well. Uh, Dishon Bernard, who has been doing very well for whole cities, out of the team after a change of manager. He's going to have to work his way to get back into that team. But actually, he's probably really positive learning experience for him in trying to impress someone new and regain his spot. And United women recently drew with Arsenal and then lost to Man City. Another incredible uh, Cantona-esque chip from Caroline Weir. One year and one day on from the last time she did it in the Manchester derby. You should go look at, just look up Caroline Weir on, on Twitter and um, you'll, you'll see what you need to see. It's an amazing goal and disappointing defeat for United. And I think the team are now fourth. Uh, behind Tottenham who have climbed into that third spot. Women are now on an international break, but afterwards we'll need another good run of form to to climb back into that top three. Jack, let's talk about Leeds United. Our first trip to Ellen Road with fans for a long, long time. There will be many United fans. Well, there'll be many United fans gutted who haven't managed to get a ticket for it. There'll be many others who have got a ticket who will be buzzing for the entire week because it's going to be uh, amazing to be back at Ellen Road for them. 
it's an exciting game. It's Leeds. It feels a very, very long time since that opening day of the season, which was just had this fuzzy, warm, amazing glow to it when we thrashed Leeds with Varane being unveiled. Long time since then. But this one's exciting. And I, I think we're going to win. Yeah, it feels like an absolute age ago, that first game against Leeds this season. I also remember last season when we went to Ellen Road. I think it was a, a relatively similar time in the season, actually, maybe a little bit later. And we'd obviously, we'd smash Leeds at home. Uh, you know, Leeds were conceding goals at a historic rate. We were scoring quite a lot of goals. And then we played out one of the most drab yeah. nil-nils you'll ever see. And it was one of those games. It was a behind-closed-door was, game, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it was we. It was one of those games. There, there are certain matches from last season that I think are the Chelsea game at home also springs yeah. right to mind. But you just like, this game would would not have been like this with fans in the stadium. And Ellen Road was was one of them. And I think it's going to be so different this time. I would be extremely surprised if it's nil-nil. Again, I think there's going to be a lot of intensity in the game. You know, for Ellen Road, is going to be rocking from both the United fans. The United away fans are always amazing. And, and the Leeds fans at Ellen Road are going to be so up for this. You know, go into it confident coming off the back of some some good performances, some not so good, but a big and important win. And against a Leeds team that since they've been promoted, you know, have just suited us down to the ground in the way that they play. We couldn't really ask for a, a better opposition for the type of games that we thrive in. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, it's going to be a, a great game. Uh, yeah, just so excited to go back there, even though it, it, it's kind of odd sometimes to think that like going to places like Anfield or Ellen Road or the Etihad are like some of your favourite games of the season because it feels wrong to almost feel like your favourite games are in sort of enemy territory. But the feeling of getting a win there is uh, places like that is just, it's, it's, um, it's unmatched and sometimes it's sweeter even than getting them at Old Trafford. So I, I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, a win at Ellen Road is... It's one of the highlights of the season if it can happen. But I, yeah, I just want, I'd love just one of those proper end-to-end intense games. It would be brilliant. And there are two two teams pretty perfectly served up to, yeah. to create that type of game. Yeah. In terms of how we approach it, uh, hopefully we've got Varane back because uh, yeah. he would help with the tempo, as we said He's earlier, been so good, by the way, even when our defence hasn't been great. He, yeah. He's been, it's kind of gone under the radar how good he is. He just looks a cut above I also think else. it's it's really useful, the fact that he missed that Brighton game because it showed how much of an impact he has on on the tempo yeah. as well. I didn't think Lindelof was was bad. It just, uh, Lindelof does have a, a great ability to step out of defence and play some really nice passes and he's got that good pass over the top of the defence. But, him and Maguire. I, actually, I think him and Maguire have the quality to do what Varane does. They just don't do it. So maybe someone just needs to have a word yeah. and say, look, just... And it's, a lot, and it's just a lot slower. It feels like everything they do yeah. is a lower tempo. Yeah. I had an incredibly annoying, miserable man standing behind me at the Brighton game who every time Maguire did anything made this kind of whirring noise, which actually would have been quite funny if he hadn't like as in whirring to say he's just like slow like a machine which would have been quite funny uh, at times had he not just been so miserable uh, and so entitled for the rest of the game it was real kind of there was a real that first half the, the whole game actually there's this kind of sense of entitlement with the United crowd at the moment that's different from kind of what I've experienced in the past uh, like Arsenal-esque where people just groan when things don't come off and it used to, it, it definitely didn't used to be like that. Yes. It's easier to appreciate people trying things when you're winning, but even, I mean, the last eight years haven't 
haven't been all that great. But when people try things, normally they get applauded for it, even if it doesn't come off. But there's this there's kind of this feeling where as soon as Rashford came on, it was like, oh, everyone was waiting for him to do something wrong so that they could complain about it. And he, he tries one pass really early on, massive groans. I just think that's not, that's no way to support a team. Yeah, very Arsenal-esque. wonder how much like just so... The, the presence of social media has, has yeah. impacted that because I think in the sort of age of, of Twitter we've all been pushed to some of the extremes I think in like what we think about any topic and, it's, and with football I think that you become it sort of forces you to become so entrenched almost in what you believe and it's like and you I mean Maguire is a perfect example on, on Twitter you can see there's a group of United fans that are just it feels like they watch games purely to wait yeah. for a Maguire mistake and then immediately put it on Twitter to you know claim that they're they're right and it's just like, obviously, Matco and fans are a slightly different group, I think, to the, the people that we know we're probably seeing on Twitter. But I think it is sort of seeping into just the way that we think about not just Man United, but all yeah. times, you know, and it's, I think it probably is part of it that there is this entitlement. And also, I don't want to say joy at things going wrong, but yeah. maybe some pleasure taken in being proven right. I, yeah, it's partly that. And I, I also think it's the kind of, this is great in a way, but the, the way that football's analysed now is kind of every, every moment on the ball is, was that good or bad? When actually it's a 90 minute match. It's an incredibly low scoring sport compared to most. What matters is that if you're an attacking player, you create a goal when you're on the pitch. Not that everything you do has to come off. And I think people have, because everything gets clipped out onto social media now when it's bad or when it's good, it's like everything has to be good. And that's just not the case. People should try things and they shouldn't come off. That's midfield players, attackers should try things and they shouldn't come off. That's why Bruno loses the ball so much. That's why De Bruyne loses the ball so much and Messi and, and whoever. That's how it should work. But there seems to be less kind of understanding of that now. There's still a lot, a, a large section of the Old Trafford crowd when something doesn't come off will still applaud it because it was a good effort. But there's definitely more kind of groaning than ever before, I, at least I think. In terms of how we approach the Leeds game, yeah, Varane, back. Hopefully, I think he should be fine. It was just just illness. Back five kind of picks itself at the moment, unless you bring Lindelof in for Maguire, but I'm not sure that's a great idea. In terms of midfield, I think McTo- a fresh McTominay, he took a little knock against uh, Brighton. I thought he might be rested so that we could have him really fresh uh, for, for the Leeds game. One of those kind of typical McTominay striding performances in midfield would be great. And Sancho will be needed. I think Ronaldo will start, but if Cavani's back, then I think he should start because he can put pressure on the Leeds defence. And he's, he's yeah, he's just, it's like the Burnley game where you need, Rannick knew he needed him for that and we did. Um, and then it's just Rashford or Langer. And I think you probably bring Rashford back in. And I'd play Pogba McTominay partly. I mean, yeah, Pogba in that game could just cause havoc as he did at the start of the season. Yeah, I think Pogba needs to come back in. I think there are there are legitimate concerns about a Pogba, Fernandez, McTominay midfield in terms of how we're going to do defensively. But I, I don't think Leeds is going to be a game where we necessarily have to worry about that too much because I expect an open game kind of no matter who we have in there. So I think it makes more sense to have someone yeah. who can provide more for us in an attacking sense in Pogba over someone like Fred. Yeah, I think Rashford and Alanga, I, I, I don't expect... Um, too much else to change other than obviously Varane coming back in assuming he's fit and yeah I think Rashford and Ilanga is probably the only other choice I thought Ilanga was fine against Brighton he was you know not great in the first half along with everyone else he did okay in the second half yeah. uh, but I think Rashford should probably come back in 
Uh, I think if, if nothing else, purely for the fact that I think he stretches the game a little bit more than Ilanga does. And I think that'll be useful against Leeds. Yeah. The only other one's Cavani Ronaldo. And I think Cavani would be great. But we do need to wrap up very quickly uh, before we go to our patron Q&A. Uh, very quick prediction for Ellen Rodeway. Uh, 3-1 United. Oh, that'd be lovely. I'm going to go 3-2. I'm predicting purely out of hope that it'll be a proper humdinger of a game. Yeah. And I'd love that. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me if we go behind. Yeah. No matter what the scoreline is. Neither. And if you go behind there, then you could be in trouble. But um, yeah, fingers crossed. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. For more from us throughout the week, our reaction to the game, you can find Jack on Twitter at, at UTDTAIT. And I'm at Harry Robinson 64 on the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P O D at the end there. Have a great week. Enjoy Sunday's game. Goodbye. Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.